All right, you can turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. I'm going to read just one verse, and that is verse 1. Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. In this verse, just this one verse, there's a lot of things that uh, you will see as we go through this study. Uh, The first part of this verse, you can see that it said, in the year that King Uzziah died. That was actually a very monumental and, can we say, life-shattering event as far as the prophet Isaiah was concerned. And like I said earlier today, I would like to take the next two Sundays and emphasize the fact that when we do become discouraged because of maybe events that come into the life of the group of believers here known as Cornerstone Independent Baptist Church, we certainly do not want to remain discouraged. The devil likes to use things that are discouraging to rob us of our joy. The reason that I like to have greeting time uh, here at the church is because I hear a lot of chatter between you. I see a lot of smiles. I I see a lot of hugs. I see a lot of uh, sweet fellowship, and you enjoy one another. Amen? So that's a good thing. And the devil likes to rob us of that. So I want to take, like I said, the next four messages, two Sunday morning, two Sunday night, emphasizing things that we need to concentrate on to restore our joy in the Christian life. Now, we read here that King Uzziah had died. King Uzziah, for many years, was a very godly man. And because of that, he was a godly king that benefited the nation of Israel. Uzziah became king at a very young age, at the age of 16. I'm sure at that time there were other members of his family which were used to make or to help him to make decisions until he became a little bit older. He loved God and he served him with all of his heart. The, The Bible records that Uzziah did right in the sight of the Lord. If you ever study through the kings of the nation of Israel, you'll find that that term is used for many. And for others, it's not used because they weren't serving the Lord. Uzziah also loved the land which the Lord had given to the children of Israel. Uzziah had great military success in whatever he did. The Lord helped him to defeat the Philistines. Philistines. He also had no problem in recruiting soldiers. He had an army of over 300,000. Also, he he equipped them very well. He even equipped them with whatever was available at that time, 
as far as body armor was concerned. He provided also bows for them. He built towers in Jerusalem and in the desert to help defend against invaders. He built large weapons that were used to launch huge arrows and also catapults to launch large stones at the enemies. He was well equipped. God blessed him. God gave him a lot of knowledge in how to put all of this together. And the Lord gave him great success. Under his leadership, the borders of Israel were expanded and new cities were built. Now you say, okay, well that sounds wonderful. Why are you saying that this was a monumental uh, event in the, the life of Isaiah and uh, it was kind of a shattering event in his life? Well, sad to say, and you'll have to read this on your own, just if you have a Strong's Concordance, look up Uzziah, and that'll tell you where in Kings and Chronicles you can read about his life, and you read about his life this coming week. But uh, Uzziah reigned 52 years, and for the most of that reign, the Lord blessed and prospered him and the nation of Israel. But... Uh, King Uzziah died. Isaiah, we said, was overcome with despair. He was depressed and discouraged. And the main reason that he was is because near the end of the life of Uzziah, he turned his back on God. And in doing so, the nation of Israel kind of copied or followed their leader. That's one of the reasons that Isaiah was called on the scene in the first place, to remind the children of Israel who really is sitting on the throne and who they should be serving and honoring as long as they live here on this earth. Now Isaiah had placed his hope in someone, can we say, and uh, things had not turned out like he planned. You know, the devil likes that. Uh, he often allows things to come against us, to discourage us, to depress us, uh, to cause us to be frustrated and want to give up. Now, we have this evangelistic service coming up. It's been a few years since we've had a three-day evangelistic service. And I know right now I'm excited about it. I'm joyful about it. I hope you are too. But I know one other thing about our enemy. He's going to try all kinds of things to get in the way, to discourage us, or to get us on side tracks instead of preparing our hearts ahead of time for revival and evangelistic service. Keep that in mind. That's why we have these challenges in these four messages the next two Sundays, to remind us who's on the throne and to be always aware of what the devil and Satan wants to do to rob us of our joy that we should have in the Lord. Amen?
So, um, the devil, he hasn't changed. He was getting, I'm sure, under uh, Isaiah's skin too, you know, and uh, maybe Isaiah even thought at times about giving up and quitting, but he didn't. Let me ask you this question, or at least uh, make this statement to you. I'm sure all of us have experienced this at some time in our Christian walk, if we have been saved for any length of time. Have you ever been walking with the Lord, and you're growing, and you're getting excited about what he's doing, when all of a sudden you slip, and you find yourself perhaps falling into the same destructive sin or habit that you had asked the Lord to deliver you from. And of course, as long as we still have that old nature, that can happen. And you know, as we yield to the old nature, things can become uh, kind of uh, uh, taking us off the wrong path. That's why we should yield to the new nature or the Holy Spirit, amen? That makes all the difference. But sometimes that happens. And you're often tempted at that time to kind of throw in the towel and to quit. And it seems like the wind's been taken out of your sail. That's exactly the way the devil wants you to feel. That's exactly the way he wants you to feel. The devil would love nothing more than to have us feeling defeated and overwhelmed instead of us uh, determining in our hearts and our minds to serve the Lord again with all of our heart and soul. Today I want to remind you of the same things that the Lord reminded Isaiah of in this passage of scripture. Not only verse 1, but we'll get to other verses in this chapter. The first thing I want you to remind, to remind you of is this. God is still on the throne. That's appeared in verse 1. After he got to thinking about Uzziah, well, now he's dead, and boy, look, now everything was going fine, and, and here, look what happened now to the children of Israel. Well, God says, I'm still on the throne. I'm still in control. And so he is. I've often said, uh, don't try to, to argue or fight with the devil. He's smarter than you, but uh, you rely on the Holy Spirit and you do what God expects you to do. And the Bible tells us in one passage that the devil will flee from us when we rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit and on the strength and the wisdom of God. So we have to remember, first of all, God is still on the throne. I don't care what's happening in this world and how the world looks at it. Oh, man, everything is going wrong. Look how all these things are happening my goodness, and, and why did God, if God's a God of love, why did he allow this to happen? You ever hear that from somebody who doesn't understand the Bible? Yeah. But God is still on the throne. And we know from his word that a lot of things that are happening in this world right now, is he knows all about it. And it's just an indication and something to let us know that his return is even getting closer. So that doesn't mean we need to prop up our feet and just sit back and wait on him. It means we should be busier than ever serving him and trying to reach the laws that in most cases are looking for something anyhow, but they're looking in the wrong places. We have the answer. And we serve a king 
who is still on the throne. Amen? Amen. And he can help us. Now, uh, when Isaiah was discouraged, God gave him a vision of his holy and mighty self still seated on the throne. Now, let's back up a little bit when we think about the children of Israel. In fact, let's even think about us here as a church. Now, February of... Um, 2019, this uh, church people here and this building that God has given us has been in existence and known as Cornerstone Independent Baptist Church for 20 years. That's great. The Lord has seen fit to keep this place here. But I can tell you over the past, I guess it's now been 16 years that I've been here, that we have uh, rejoiced together. We've had times when we sat here in this building and other places and we had big smiles in our face and we were thanking Lord for everything that he had done. And there were other times when we were saying, oh man, we need to pray. Uh, we have this need or we have that need. And, and Lord, uh, we, we put it before your throne and we know that you're able. And some of us, maybe through that time, uh, had doubts about whether we could make this next hurdle. But guess what? We did. Now think along the same lines of the children of Israel since we're studying their life, and it's always a good example for us to see how God worked in their lives. You remember when the Israelites were discouraged when they reached the banks of the Red Sea, and uh, they had the Egyptian army on their heels? Well, I'm sure many of them thought, oh, man, what are we going to do now? But what happened? God delivered them as only God could do. And again, uh, when you think about uh, when the army of Israel was facing another army that was more powerful, and this uh, army, the enemy of Israel, would send out this giant of a man challenging the army of Israel to come on out and fight me and the winner will be victorious. We don't have to fight uh, all these men. You come on out and beat me and it'll be all over. And even King Saul and all the other people that stood out head and shoulders a bunch a little uh, above a little shepherd boy wouldn't go out and fight him. But the little shepherd boy who God had been preparing in the back 40 of his father's acreage, came forward and with a sling and the power of God defeated the giant. There is no giant that can come into our life that God cannot defeat. The enemy thought it was the end of another man by the name of Daniel. Oh my, it's all over now. Daniel was a great man, but I don't understand why when he went to prayer, why couldn't if he, instead of going to the window like he did all the time and opening it up and praying toward Jerusalem, why couldn't have he, you know, just to protect himself, he still could have prayed. Why didn't he just close those windows and still pray to the Lord? Well, the Bible says he, that was his custom, that's what he did, and he wasn't going to change that for any man. And he was thrown into the lion's den. Oh, there's the end of Daniel. 
And what did God do? He closed the mouth of lions that I guarantee you were hungry because it tells us after he was delivered from the lion's den that the men that set up this whole thing to get him killed were thrown into the lion's den and before their bodies hit the floor, the lions had them devoured. Now that was God. That was God that was involved with all of that. How about this? The disciples became discouraged after Jesus was crucified. In fact, the matter is, Peter, the ringleader, he said, well, we might as well go back to fishing. That's all done and over. And then the Lord appeared to them. And when we read in the scripture the mighty works that those men did, only God could have given them the power and the strength to do it. Amen? And God did, because God is still on the throne. Listen to me. When you are discouraged and frustrated, remember, God is still on the throne, and God is still in control. Uh, but not only is God on the throne, but according to Isaiah 6, 1 and 3, God is still in the world. God is still in the world. Look at Psalm 139. Psalm 139. We want to move along here quickly today. Psalm 139, look at verses 7 through 12. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. So God, you've got that idea, God is still also in the world. Uh, you know what? There are times when you and I may feel all alone, depending on circumstances and surroundings. When you feel, there might even be a time when you feel no one understands and uh, that no one is there for you to help you through this struggle. Uh, you go to church with, with a vision of what God wants done and, and for how he wants to work, and it seems that no one shares your vision and, and your passion or your fire. Uh, sometimes it seems like you're all alone in the world. And it's during those times when we need to remember that God is in the world. The fact of the matter is, God is in each and every one of us that belong to him. The Holy Spirit is with us, never to leave us, never to forsake us. Uh, shortly before Jesus left, the disciples were fearful and afraid. Uh, and seeing their concern, Jesus reminded them and told them, as he tells us, I will never leave you or forsake you. God is on the throne. God is still in the world. Not only is God 
still in the world, but God is still, now listen to this. Everybody needs to listen to this. God is still calling imperfect people. Any imperfect people here? By the way, I'm raising my hand, okay, along with you. God is still calling imperfect people. Uh, Isaiah 6 again, uh, verse 3. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then look at verse 6. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. Do you know that there are people, now I don't know, maybe we don't have many in this congregation, but I would say we probably have one or two. And they have this philosophy. They don't believe that God can use them. For whatever reason, they don't believe God can use them. They believe they're not good enough, they're not gifted enough to be used. Um, Perhaps we have one or two here. Well, we need you to get over that right now because God uses imperfect people. Uh, You know who loves to point out your imperfections? The devil. What? You can't do that. Uh, I mean, when the Lord called me to preach, <laughs> the devil says, well, I, you, don't, you, you don't even know how to master the English language, let alone get up in front of people and wax eloquent. You, you just better be satisfied to sit down somewhere by yourself. You can't handle that. And, you know, I mean, here you are now. Uh, it said God called you and you're, you're, you're 40 years old. I mean, you go to Bible school, and there's going to be kids there. You, you, you'll be, be old enough to be their, their daddy, and you're going to go to school. You can't do that. He said, God, the devil didn't do that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. What's he doing to you to keep you from serving the Lord in some capacity? You remember what happened to Moses? Moses said, I don't speak well enough. Fact of the matter is, I believe Moses was a stutter. Uh, when God approached Jeremiah, what did Jeremiah say? I'm too young. God is still looking for and using imperfect people. If you're one of them, talk to him about what job he wants you to do, and then get busy doing it. One of the best soul winners that I have ever met in my lifetime is home with the Lord now. His name was Bill Zimmers. His wife, Claire, comes to church here. Bill uh, was a truck driver formerly, and he was uh, quite a guy. He was a big guy. And if you looked at him, uh, you, you would say, and he would tell you this story. Yeah, I have trophies at home, I used to win uh, dance competitions on skates. Now, I'm talking about a man who was huge. And we, who were his friends, you know, it's out, Bill, you're stretching it now. So we went to the roller rink with him one day, and he went out. And you know how these kids are, when they get out there and they skate, I hope I don't fall over and I'm not on skates, you know how they put their feet behind them and they do all this stuff, you know, and spin around. Bill, and at that time he was uh, over 300 pounds, he's out there doing it, twirling. But he was a soul winner. He was a soul winner. 
Uh, when he went for his ordination, I was on his ordination council. Uh, there was a couple of things he, he didn't, he couldn't answer correctly. Well, when you're ordained and for the ministry, you know, they check you over and make sure that you are capable of being a pastor. He was ordained only to go to Alaska. It was a restricted uh, um, thing for him. He, he was ordained only to go to Alaska. So he did. Uh, he had success there. He was one of these guys. If you put a coat on a telephone pole, he'd witness to it. I mean, that's the kind of soul winner he was. He would just talk to everybody and anybody. And uh, I can hardly wait to get to heaven. I know I want to see Jesus and all those that have gone before, but I can hardly wait until I get to heaven and see how many people God used this ex-truck driver who uh, needed some more education but used him to reach a multitude of people. I want to see how many were saved because of Bill Zimmers when I get to heaven. And some of you know Bill. You think my English and mannerism is bad. You ought to have met Bill. But, but God used him to bring honor and glory to himself. Uh, listen, if you are waiting until you can uh, uh, get it all figured out and make yourself better, don't wait. Let God work on you. But you make up your mind that you'll serve him wherever he calls you to serve. Not only is God calling imperfect people, God is still forgiving fallen people. Isaiah 6, uh, 6 and 7 again, uh, then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. You know what? There isn't a sin that God cannot forgive. The only unforgivable sin is when you reject salvation that God provided you and the wooing of the Holy Spirit. That's the only unforgivable sin. Now, there are certain sins that might hinder you from becoming a pastor, but God forgives all sins, and he can still forgive your sin, and he can still use you to bring honor and glory to himself. Some people feel they can't escape their past. Well, you ask God to forgive you, you get things right where you need to get it right, and then you move on, because God can and will and does forgive you. How do you think Paul might have felt? First of all, his name was Saul. The Lord met him on the road to Damascus. He blinded him. How do you think he felt? In fact, he even reminded the people, I'm not even fit to be an apostle. I'm the chiefest of sinners. I persecuted the church. Well, he didn't stay in that condition of a pity party, and I don't think he was having a pity party. He was just letting people know if God can use me, he can use you. 
Think what he did to the church before God got a hold of him. And God forgave him and used him. I can't think of another man that he might have used more uh, than Jesus Christ himself, than Paul, the apostle, the missionary, and what he did in the short lifetime that he had here on this earth. And here's our last one. God is still using willing people. Willing people. Uh, verse 8, Isaiah 6. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, say it with me, Here am I, send me. There it is. Here am I, send me. You do not have to be the most popular person in the world. You do not have to be the most highly educated person in the world. All you have to do is be willing to allow the Lord to work in your life and to use you to bring honor and glory to him. That's it. People willing to be used. People willing to go. People willing to pray. People willing to serve in the nursery, which we desperately need help in. And other areas in the church. I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. You don't have to raise your hand. You just have to say yes to the Lord. You're going to do this over the next couple of weeks before our revival and evangelistic services. Listen to this. Uh, as I go down through and, and then we'll be done. Will you right now or sometime this week ask the Lord to bring to your mind two or three people he wants you to pray for and perhaps talk to one more time and maybe even invite to the services beginning on Good Friday. Perhaps you have a good voice or the ability to play an instrument. Well, then get busy. Let God use you. Now, perhaps you can't carry a tune in a bucket, but you can play an instrument. Get busy. Get busy doing it for the Lord. God has given each of us an ability and a talent to do something for him. He has given you the ability to do something to serve him. Let's get busy and let's do it. Let's not let the devil discourage us. He likes to do it by bringing up the past. Uh, by bringing up your failures, don't let him do it. Turn to the Lord and ask him to help you to be the servant that he wants you to be. Amen? Let's pray. Father.